Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. I'm super excited today to be speaking with the amazing Natasha Daniels. She is my special guest for this episode. Natasha is a child therapist who specializes in anxiety and OCD. She has devoted her career to helping families raise children with these struggles. She has written several books, including How to Parent an Anxious Toddler, Anxiety Sucks, a Teen Survival Guide, Social Skills, Activities for Kids, and It's Brave to be Kind. Natasha supports parents through anxiety and OCD by helping them with in-depth advice on how to navigate their terrain themselves and empower their children. Natasha, welcome. I'm so excited to have you back. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Sure. My pleasure. So let's just dive in. Anxiety is everywhere today, uh, especially with the last two years and what we've all been experiencing with the pandemic. What are you seeing in families and children, perhaps more than you've seen before? What's showing up for you in your work? Well, I definitely think there is an uptick in global anxiety totally understandable. Um, you know, our world is kind of upside down. Uh, I've also seen more diagnoses of anxiety and OCD in children. And I think that is for several reasons. I think this environmental stressor has brought maybe what was a genetic seed to blossom. I also think parents are home a lot more, you know, our kids aren't at school. So we're starting to notice and observe our children's behaviors in a, in a way that we maybe hadn't before. And then the last thing is uh, COVID creates inflammation and inflammation. There is, there has been some speculation that there's a correlation between inflammation for some kids and OCD. And so I am seeing a huge uptick in OCD as well in kids and adults. Well, what I, what I, I love how you, you know, describe what's going on and what, what really has hit me is the fact that we are home or we are with our children and families more. And what a beautiful gift to be able to, in my eyes, and I'm sure you probably agree, to be able to see our kids clearly and be able to support them when we notice that they have, you know, signs that maybe they're struggling more with anxiety than we originally thought, or that they might need some outside assistance, as well as OCD. Yeah, it is a gift. I know it may not feel that way. (laughs) To a lot of parents, we're like, it's not a gift. But it really is because we are seeing our kids on such a deeper level. You don't realize how much time is spent, if you're not homeschooling, how much time is spent with them, with someone else. And so seeing them and even seeing them in an educational standpoint, when they're struggling, you know, at the keyboard at home gives a new perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And even though it's a struggle and a stress for parents when they do see these things, because, you know, as you said, it's hard and it's overwhelming and scary all at the same time it's also an opportunity to support the child in front of you in a way in which it serves the child. Yeah, which is really a a gift because it's stuff that was already there usually or lying under the surface. And for us to be able to connect on a deeper level with our kids is, is really helpful. So let's talk about how we serve the child. 
or actually let's take a step back and talk about how we serve ourselves as the parents first, because we're no good to anybody with the diagnoses for our children or without if we don't take good care of ourselves. So when you talk to parents, what's the first line of you know, focus that you want them to take in terms of checking in with themselves and, and taking good care of themselves? It's such a good question because I think a lot of times parents shrug that off because they say, you know, I've got a front burner issue here. My child's on fire or there's this overwhelm that they finally discovered or there's new things popping up and we can't jump in, you know, metaphorically into the pool and, and rescue our kids if, if we get sucked in and we get, we're drowning too. So it is taking that pause to say this didn't happen overnight, although I know for some it, it actually does, but for most of us, it didn't happen overnight. It's not going to go away overnight and to get your bearings and um, to not be reactive, but to anchor yourself first and anchoring yourself first is so important because if we, if we're operating from panic, we are actually inadvertently going to cause more panic because we're going to come from a panic perspective. But if we're anchored and we're solid, which comes with you know, educating ourselves, coming up with a plan, developing a support system, developing a self-care plan that goes beyond Netflix and, you know, ice cream, then we'll be able to serve our kids in a much better capacity. And I think, I think that's such a beautiful way that you put it, the anchoring, because we can actually see an anchor, right? And, and that picturesque, you know, feeling of being anchored to something that keeps us grounded is huge. And I think, as you said, you know, the education is important. The understanding what's in front of you is important. But if we're not taking care of ourselves, then the ability to see clearly and understand the knowledge and information that's out there about whatever it is our children are experiencing is really, really tough. And so, and and wouldn't you also agree that checking in with our own anxiety, you know, if it is anxiety we're seeing in our kids or we struggle with anxiety, period. Isn't it important to check in with ourselves in terms of what that looks like so that we are not setting the stage for our kids, you know, in terms of just repeating what they see in us? Yeah, absolutely. And I think in two different ways. And when I talk about mindset with parents, I think a lot of times, you know, people might roll their eyes, you know, I can't see it, but they might because they think, I don't want to talk about mindset or my anxiety or my triggers because I really need to help my child. And that is first and foremost. And I think what you're saying, Sue, is exactly what is true is I have to deal with my lens first. And so there's, there's parental anxiety because anxiety is highly genetic. And so I might have my own anxiety issues that are completely separate from my child that I'm not anchored. So I do, I need to work on my own anxiety, especially during this time where there's a lot of unknowns. I might be coming, my baseline might be heightened. So if my baseline is already heightened, I'm not going to be an anchor for my child because of my own anxiety issues. But then separate from that or, and, or that on top of it is what my child's anxiety does to me. And so even if you say, you know, I don't have any genetic predisposition to anxiety and I'm, I'm not dealing with my own anxiety, but my child's anxiety creates anxiety in me. That's another issue. And we have to look at those triggers and say, what is it about that anxiety that's triggering me? Is it because it reminds me of my dad? Is it because I don't feel like I have control? Is it because I'm interpreting this as I'm a bad parent? We have to do that work as well to kind of anchor ourselves and create a better lens. I, I love that. And that spiral of story, right? 
that we tell ourselves can really take us down, you know, a deep path of no return, perhaps. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think it's so important for people to really look at what's triggering them in, you know, their child's diagnoses and how it's affecting them before they try to help with tools and solutions and ideas for their kids. Because it's just like fear, you know, when we show up feeling worried and we would worry, right? If our child has a diagnosis, of course, it's normal. It's common to worry about that child. But when we show up with the worry or we show up with the fear of what it's going to look like, or it's reminding us of, you know, somebody else, and we're bringing that story to it, children are sponges, in my opinion, and they absorb everything that we bring, all the feelings, emotions, concerns, fears, worries, I've seen it in my own kids. And so they're reflecting that back to us like a mirror so that we can, again, check in and check in and check in. And it's a constant process for us as parents to really look at our own, you know, our own selves and what we bring to the table when we're trying to navigate or support our children. Yeah, it is not an isolated them in their bubble with their problem situation. And like you said, they mirror, you know, our mood and our anxieties and physiologically, you know, they've shown that there are mirror neurons that are literally doing that, you know, that how I'm feeling is mirrored physiologically in my child. And that's not to make a parent feel bad and say, oh my gosh, I'm literally spreading my anxiety, like physiologically, but it's that I can also mirror hope and I can mirror um, empowerment and I can mirror, um, we're going to take this one step at a time and that that is physiologically contagious as well, which is, is a good, hopeful thing. Sure. Absolutely. And, you know, we do this work, you and I, every day, and just to share a very brief story, more about fear and anxiety. When the pandemic first hit, my daughter came from college um, because they were kicked out, schools closed and sent away. And so she came to live with us, which, you know, was great. And I was very fearful at the beginning, very anxiety, you know, prone at that time with, you know, what was happening and how could I keep myself safe? And she absorbed it. And then she mentioned to me because she's studying clinical psychology and she's like really onto this. And plus she hears me do my work all the time. So she's kind of aware of, you know, uh, what I preach. And she said, you know, you are super fearful and, you know, full of anxiety. Have you noticed? <laughs> and I thought, no, <laughs> you know, and she was the mirror, but, you know, she was able to verbalize it. A lot of our children can't, and they you know, maybe their behavior show us that something is really going on with us, not them, because they're, you know, demonstrating things by pushing back. In this particular case, she, you know, just outright told me and I thought, wow. So, you know, I was able to take a step back and say, how can I take my fear and anxiety and create a plan for myself that felt comfortable so that I can push that fear and anxiety behind me and just be in my plan, which I did. And I did beautifully and it, you know, it all worked out. And I was able then to support her through her anxiety. And because it had heightened because of me. And so, you know, I, I think I could look at it, like you said, oh, I'm a bad parent. How could I have done that? And I do this work every day, like I know better. But instead, I thought, what a beautiful gift, because my child showed me where I need to grow and where I need to bring attention at that moment. And we're human beings. I'm human. I bet mm-hmm. you're human too. <laughs> Human. And so, you know, the human side of us is going to make mistakes, but, 
you know, again, this was just an opportunity and this wasn't, you know, a diagnosis, but it was anxiety showing up in a very high level scenario. Yeah. And I love that story because I think all of us are imperfect and we're parents and we're humans and it's just showing up each day to whatever the day wants to present to and handling it in that way. And then starting again the next day. And our kids are, are, are just as much teachers to us as we are to them. Always. Always. Yeah. If we're open and aware. Right. Yeah. So, you know, those of you who are listening out there, pay attention to the signs, the signals, the changes in what your children are doing as perhaps a way to look within to say, what is my responsibility here? How, how is my behavior reaction or actions helping or harming or, you know, creating a different environment than what I'm looking for? I'm sure you have lots of questions that you offer parents in those types of scenarios. Yeah. And I, I love what you said too, because it's like being in tune with yourself can feel very far removed from helping your child. But when it is actually, it's a practice, it's a daily practice, I think, to tune in instead of tuning out, you know, to your kids and recognizing, oh, I'm starting to feel anxious or, you know, my, my jaw is clenched or my heart is starting to race. Um, my child has, this actually just happened to us a couple of days ago. My, my son had a new OCD theme. I thought we were like, we were solid. And a whole new theme came up that had a ripple of ramifications in his like ability to function academically. And, you know, I could tune in to how my chest was feeling. I was starting to feel tight and like, I was starting to like, my wheels were spinning. Okay. What do we need to do? And, oh my gosh, this is going to happen when this is going to happen. And just being cognizant of that, just being like, whoa, ho, look at me spinning out of control right now. And then instead of focusing on him, focusing on myself and doing some self-work, like take it down a notch, you know, one step at a time, all the things I say to other kids, then I was able to anchor myself and say, let's come up with a plan. Um, but not out of fear, out of more intention. Love that. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that because we do tend to immediately go to the, oh no, what's this going to look like? How is this going to play out? What do I need to do? You know, the, the doing, right? Instead mm -hmm. of being in our being state, taking a deep breath and taking a step back before we take five steps forward, right? We're racing in and let's fix and solve and, you know, all of these things. So, you know, what a beautiful way to illustrate the need to step back, take a breath and, you know, catch ourselves. And I, I think we learn so much about ourselves by tuning in, as you said, mm -hmm. tuning in, tuning in, tuning in every day, every day, tuning in. Wow. How am I feeling today? Yeah. It, I think there's a lot of learning in that space, in that space of presence, for sure, that we might think we don't have time for because our child's on fire. Um, but it's that subtle tuning in that actually is incredibly powerful. And like you said, it's not doing, it's being, and there's a shift there. So when it comes to kids, your own, other kids, families, you know, what are some of the greatest things that you find, uh, or maybe three, three great things, because I know you can't share all your tools in the short little time, but maybe three wonderful tools that can really help a family. And, and maybe those that are listening can take one or all three away and, and utilize them to support their kids and families? Well, I'll definitely say number one is what we've been talking about. So I think number one is actually learning how to anchor yourself mm -hmm. and not discounting that or thinking that that's, you know, a waste of time or you'll do that later. 
um, but that, 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 that's a priority. You have to anchor yourself. And then I think number two is how to educate your child. I think sometimes we come up with a plan and we forget that the child is actually in the driver's seat and we're just in the passenger seat. I say that all the time. So whoever mm-hmm. listens to me, be like, oh my gosh, she's saying that again. <laughs> it's because it's true. And so sometimes we miss that component of, I have to slow down and explain anxiety to my child. I have to find a good book or I have to like explain it in a kid-friendly way what anxiety or OCD is. And then the third one is having a concrete plan. And so um, skills to reduce stress and anxiety is very helpful, like breathing and mindfulness and all of those are really helpful. But you also, it's nice to have a concrete plan of how am I going to take steps towards fear? And what does that look like? And how do I develop that? And I think when you have a very concrete plan, then you can feel like you're doing something and you can feel like you're creating a therapeutic home environment because we can't depend on therapists who see our kids for a 50 minute session, maybe once or twice a month. Well, no, once or twice, once a year, once a year, once a week, a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. if you're lucky, maybe it is once a year for some people, because it's very hard to find a therapist right now, but regardless of whether you have a therapist, creating your own therapeutic home environment is really important. Wow. I love that. So what does a therapeutic environment at home look like? I mean, you've talked about, you know, the concrete plan and skills, um, you know, maybe just generally speaking with some of the people that you've worked with, what does a concrete plan look like that's kind of therapeutic in nature? Because I agree with you, you know, therapists are so busy and, you know, the everybody has a bit of anxiety, but, you know, certainly, as you said, there's a lot more diagnoses that we're seeing both OCD and anxiety. So what does a therapeutic plan at home look like? How can we create that environment for ourselves? You know, it's not as complicated as it can sound. Um, It is really just, and it doesn't have to be that your kids have a diagnosis even. It's just a family culture of how you handle fear. And, you know, in my house, because I have three kids with anxiety and OCD, I have my own anxiety disorder. So, you know, we're just genetically like packed in here. We we all talk about handling discomfort. So we have a language. Everybody has personified their anxiety, including me and their OCD. So there's names, you know, we've got dictator and Mr. O and squishy and para. So everyone's got their names. <laughs> and then I that. also, you know, so we can talk about it. There's a communication. So a therapeutic home environment in, involves education. Everyone knows how anxiety or OCD shows up um, and the foundation of how you tackle it. There is language. So we talk about you know, one to 10, that's a common one in my house. How stressed are you? How big is this OCD issue or this anxiety? We have names for it. Um, we have nonverbal gestures. If someone is, you know, we're in public and they're uncomfortable, we have a gesture for my anxiety or my OCD is showing up. So th- these are therapeutic tools. And then we also have a behavioral plan. So, you know, my kids earn points like bravery points and I use a privilege app. And so spontaneously I can say, I know that's hard for you. I see that you're struggling with that. You know, if you can take, my child has OCD issues around food. So I'm going to use that as an example. If you could take another bite, you can earn two points. And because we have a therapeutic home environment that's already set up, then I don't have to create the wheel or create a chart. It's just, it's already there. Oh, there's a problem showing up. I can encourage him. I can reinforce it. And and that's just how we function. And my kids will call me on it too. And they'll say, um, mom, is that your paro showing up? You know, I think you need to just sit with discomfort. <laughs> you know? Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. They're our greatest teachers. They really That's are. beautiful. And I love the naming, 
you know, I, I, I imagine then it's naming the anxiety or what, what are we naming? If you don't mind me asking specifically when you have all yeah. these names. Um, well, we're naming, yeah, we're naming the anxiety or OCD. So like paro is my social anxiety because it makes me feel paranoid. Mr. O is my daughter's OCD. Um, Squishy is my son's OCD. Dictator is my daughter, my old, my 18 year old's um, anxiety. So yeah, we're personifying it. So it's when I say, you know, tell Mr. O, we don't like to talk to him or I'm sorry that Mr. O is bothering you right now. I'm not feeding into the OCD or the anxiety, but I can say, I can still empathize and I can still reassure in, in saying, I'm so sorry that Mr. O is bothering you or, Oh, it seems like squishy doesn't want you to eat that. And so it, it, it kind of preserves the self-esteem as well. Love that because you're not making the child feel like it's a a definition of the child. It's like separate from the child, which it is right. It is. We are not our diagnoses. We are not our anxiety. We're not our fears. We're not, we're human beings. And so I love how you separate it and talk to the anxiety with the name as if it's just out there and, you know, in, in the air. Yeah. And that really helps us unite as a family um, and it helps empower kids too. And I'll give you just a really quick example with my son's issue. And I'm talking about OCD, but it's interchangeable really when we're with this skill that we're talking about, it's not letting him read. And so he has to reread and reread, you know, it's making him feel like maybe he didn't quite get it. And so he's not able to really read anything and he really values being smart. And so just this morning, actually just an hour ago, um, he was saying, cause he just got t- tested for the gifted program and he got into the math po- component. And so I was trying to explain to him, you didn't get the whole thing, but you got into the math. And he's like, I don't care, mom. I can say I'm gifted now. I can say I'm gifted. You know, <laughs> I was like, you can Aww. say you're gifted. And then I said, you know, squishy, which is his name for his anxiety and OCD, doesn't want you to, you know, it's something that you value. You care about being smart. And so squishy is attacking the one thing that you care about, which is reading, because you have to read in order to, you know, do work. And so we really need to fight back. And, and so it's also another way to kind of highlight that. Um, to motivate and incentivize. Wow. So beautiful. And I imagine, I imagine for the families that you work with and the kids that you work with, you encourage from what it sounds like you encourage them to talk about what OCD is with the whole family. So if one child suffers from OCD, like in your family, you all are aware of what that is and how that shows up and how you can support him. And so for the families that you work with and, and, you know, those that you support, is that really important for them to sit down with their entire, you know, group, so to speak? I I do think it's important to not ideally have family secrets. Um, I think sometimes our kids will say, you know, I don't, I only want to talk to you, mom, or I only want to talk to you. I don't want anyone else to know about these struggles. And I think in our immediate family that that's kind of empowering the anxiety or OCD. And not that you have to share with the whole family all the intimate details of what that anxiety or OCD theme are about, but you don't want to give the power away to anxiety and OCD and you want to normalize it. And sometimes when we keep secrets only to protect our kids or respect what they want, we're also kind of adding to that level of shame inadvertently that says, this is a secret. This isn't something we talk about. And then we don't get the opportunity to normalize it. And it's helpful to normalize it. You know, aunt blah, blah, blah has this too, or mom has this too, in a different way. My kids know my themes, not that they're like my confidant, but they know this is like diabetes or asthma. We all, we have this in our family, but there are superpowers that come with it. And we, we talk about that too. We talk about how like we are really empathetic people and we really feel people's feelings, you know, and 
um, all the things that come with having a sensitive personality. Love that. And, you know, I think uh, having raised one child with a number of diagnoses, my oldest and my youngest kind of not having a clue what was going on other than she should stay out of the way. Not having the skills way back then, because my kids are now in their mid to upper 20s, uh, didn't do this work, you know, didn't know from anything, tried to find out, but it was really difficult back then to, to learn about, you know, conscious and mindful approaches because people mm. weren't talking about it. So we didn't really have the sharing because we didn't know how to share. I mean, let alone how to deal with, you know, ODD um, yeah. or opposition defined. Yeah, ODD. Mm-hmm. And um, I try to forget the labels, you know, <laughs> um, but we didn't know how to work through that or have, you know, all the best tools that were available to us, let alone be able to share with the other child in a way that she could understand. And so you know, when I hear you talk about that and you all kind of sharing in the names that you have for, for, you know, these, you know, for OCD or anxiety or fears that come up, it just warms my heart because I can, you know, I can feel how that would have benefited us, you know, long, long time ago. Um, But how important that is for families to struggle to really have these conversations. So the children that maybe are not experiencing whatever, have an understanding and can bring empathy to the other. Totally. That way there isn't the secret, you know, where it's, you know, sh- don't bother little Johnny because he's having a moment, not little Johnny needs the support from all of us because this is what little Johnny experiences. And like you said, normalizing it because we all have something. We all have something. So that really helps that there is more talk about this than there was probably back in the time when you were raising your kids. Um, and the siblings who are not, you know, quote unquote struggling or not diagnosed, they're part of the puzzle piece too, because a lot of times um, they don't get their mom or dad's attention, or a lot of times um, there are scary things happening, you know, like there's big outbursts, or they're even the target of it a lot of times, or they're even the accommodator, you know, where you know, maybe there's a therapeutic decision to not accommodate certain behaviors and the sibling is doing it because they're kept in the dark. So there's so many layers of making sure that that child's okay and educated too. Yeah. So important. Well, we could probably go on for hours. <laughs> I but just so, en- I so, yeah. And I just enjoy talking with you and I'm, I'm so glad that you've been here on this episode again and returned and, you know, maybe you'll return another time because you know, this is one of the most important things that we can talk about, I think, today is, you know, anxiety, number one, OCD showing up more and more, and really supporting families, both parents and their children that may be struggling with, you know, these types of things. Um, I'd love for you, before we come to a close, to tell our families, our listeners, where they can learn more about you and maybe a special offer. Yeah, Um Well, I like my goal is to provide resources to teach parents the tools to help their kids directly with anxiety and OCD. And so I have a podcast, I have a YouTube channel for videos that directly for kids and teens. Um, You can find me at atparentingsurvival.com. And it's funny that we're talking about this today. It actually was really funny that our topic was very much aligned with the free series that I'm doing right now, um, which is about self care for parents who are raising kids with anxiety and OCD. And it's not about, the bubble baths, although that's great too, 
but it is about the mindset, the triggers, even tuning into our bodily sensations. And so I invite your listeners to join our, my free series. They can sign up at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. Um, it's been going on this past week. It, it'll go on for another few days and it's videos. So you can join at any time and, and catch up with us. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me and providing all your wisdom and knowledge to our listeners and to our listeners. Remember, every moment is a new moment for conscious connection. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.